Alright, well welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. As you can hear, Brian and I are in separate areas tonight here on the Glue Guys. Brian. Mike, I got a story for you, but I never told you how my internet went out, by the way. So as you can as you can probably hear, I'm I'm calling in from the phone, which is even less less quality than we're used to um, from our, our usual Skype setup. Um, and the reason for that is Mike is because my cat peed on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. My my cat. I have two oh, cats, wow. and one one is getting very old and is just like starting to lose it and pees now suddenly. And the last couple of weeks, started peeing on stuff which she never did. Lily, she's the sweetest, sweetest cat in the whole world. Um, but yeah, couldn't couldn't keep it together and uh, and peed when I got home and it had cooked. You know, like as the modem gets pretty hot or the router or whatever. Uh, and it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty bad scene. Like it was like someone was making cat pee fritters on my, on my, uh, yeah. So, what, so what did the modem look like? I mean, what did it? Fizzle? It looked like it was covered in cooked, <laughs> covered in cooked cat pee. No, it wasn't. It <laughs> didn't work. It already, it already, um, it already like shorted out or whatever. So it was just non-responsive. So, and I told the guys, so I called, I called the cable company today. Um, or the time time or spectrum I call them spectrum now Mike and uh, I was like hey so I want to come and like get a new uh, router he's like yeah you got to bring your old one I was like yeah the thing about that is I'll be pretty ashamed <laughs> to bring this in because it's covered in hot cat pee um, and he's like no nah, they don't mind I was like all right he's like it's bad huh he's like yeah yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so that's that's the story of why I'm on the phone right now with you. So uh, we are the Glue Guys, and uh, <laughs> you can find yeah. us in all the special places you normally find uh, shows like us. Uh, I also That's sort fun. of say we, we also sort of I don't feel like we haven't really nailed down the, net, the Dash Radio thing. Um, yeah, nail that down, nail that down, would you? So you could find us. So depending on how you're listening to us, you could be listening to us on Dash Radio 9 a.m. and noon on Wednesdays, at least for now. Um, so if you're listening to us on a Wednesday live, that's what you're hearing. And of course you subscribe to the podcast at almighty baller network, um, iTunes, Stitcher and everywhere else our show can be found. But, uh, so yeah, so we are on dash radio, which is an internet radio service. Um, we're part of the, we've referenced the almighty baller network, almightyballer.com. Uh, Brian, this is, this is a Brian business connection. I would say you set this up. (laughs) I'm always I'm wheeling and dealing like you know me I'm like my head in a swivel. Um, and of course you can find us at netsdaily.com, which we are always on every time we do a podcast. So we're sort of all yeah. over the map here. Netsdaily, um, but Dash Dash Radio is fun. I, I was listening to it. Our network. What's interesting about our network? It's such a colorful cast of characters. Um, really. Basically, like each. I mean, each show is mostly about a single team. But there's yeah. th- then there's national ones. There's um, what would you there's say? Even, the most... One, one yeah. of my the most interesting is Lakers film room. Did you ever listen to this one? I, yeah, I wanted one's... to. I wanted to dig into that one. You explained it a bit. They go into like history. It's basically like a, a sort of a. It's a Lakers podcast, but they you know they'll tell stories about like you know the Will Chamberlain years and stuff, and like go deep on the just the history of the team, which I always thought was really interesting. 
So, I mean, it's it's a good listen if you're just like, I need that NBA content. This is a perfect time of the year to sort of listen to it because you're going to be able to get uh, perspectives from a lot of the teams in the playoffs, just like straight fan perspectives. It's pretty interesting stuff, and mostly it's good. We're the best, I would say, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Brian. Uh, yeah, talk to me, Mike. Speaking of, speaking of the best, let's um... – Let's talk about the Nets. The best foreign point um, guard in the best point guard. Oh yeah. So the, the one big thing that we wanted to launch in on, and this was uh, queued up by uh, our friends in Nets Daily. Uh, shout out to Cheer Boy Robert Windrum. Um, I don't have a, my proper mail drops, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> thanks for your email as always. Um, but he, so, and this is something that I wanted to talk about anyhow, but I've been, we've been noticing in Nets Daily Land and in general, just Nets, Nets Land, this uh, divide, Mike, it's another, it's another classic Nets Daily divide. And it's uh, people who uh, are, are balking at the idea of Milos Teledosic, uh joining the team and potentially because, if, well, for varieties, but people either don't do want him or don't want him. And the people that don't want him, don't want him because the rumors are that he would only want to play for a team if he were starting on it. That's that's like the sort of uh, like that that's that's the uh, barrier of entry that, that sure. they don't that they're not comfortable with. Right. Um, and a lot of them happen to also be supporters of your man Jeremy Lin, and so Surprising. that's that's created a whole different that's a that's a, another layer to the rift there, um, the the rift onion. That that we've got growing. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. There's a couple of things just to get out straight. Is that if you're a Jeremy Lin supporter and you're like super afraid that this European point guard is going to come in and take Jeremy's job, <laughs> then then you have a problem. Yeah, it's time to, it's time to take a big look, <laughs> a long hard look. No, I mean, so there's been some interesting aspects to this. One, the whole like he has to start thing. It's tough for me to believe that he's not like a high school recruit, even though that's what, how they're treating him. Like it doesn't happen in the NBA that a guy can essentially mandate to start. Like, yeah, I mean, there can be players who are upset by being in bench roles, but to be honest, most of the time, these guys, whatever minutes you give them, they just want minutes. They don't care about starting. And Tia Dosic yeah. is going to get, is it Tia Dosic? How, how are we doing this here, Brian Milos? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, it. yeah and so he's gonna he's gonna get if he's good enough if he can't get 30 minutes a game on the nets then he's not good enough so i don't really know if that's a problem what i do find is interesting is that um it this is perhaps the most public courtship of a european player we've ever seen i mean there's that picture on nets daily from i think the what's the guy's name david pick is he the European uh, basketball writer who's been following a lot mm-hmm. of this? Do you know what I'm talking about, Brian? Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a picture. Wait, on it. There's a picture. Are, on it. There, is there anybody else courting him except for us? That's my question. Like, are there any other? Who, who are the other NBA scouts that are that are vying for his attention, or is it just us versus another? Uh, year at, at Seska. Did you know we we talked about this? But for everyone, it's not. I guess it's not pronounced C S K A. It's it's Seska. Seska. Yeah, and I've been thinking about that. So the what's great. So again, the, there's a picture on Nets Daily of Marks and Atkinson sitting courtside watching Milos. 
uh, play. And I guess I think it's the second playoff game he's had against whatever team they're playing in whatever league they're in. And so there's two schools of thought in my own head about that is that that's a pretty odd thing to be that publicly like out front. You know, it's pretty obvious that they're there for him. And it's a pretty mm-hmm. odd thing to be that publicly out front. I'm sure there are other places to sit in the in the stands that are maybe a little bit more discreet, but yet they're sitting, I believe, courtside or at least front row seats somewhere, um, watching him yeah. play basketball. I uh, really, I really like those pictures too. Um, I like those. I like a picture of a person scouting anyone. I always think because, like, you know, you're used to seeing pictures of people at at NBA games or, or basketball games with like jubilation on their faces and they have to be, uh, they have to like contort their faces into like this, this scrupulous, like I'm, I'm a, I'm really weighing what I'm seeing here. Right. More serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The opposite of what Phil Jackson does when he watches basketball, yeah. which is, that's, that's the thing I try to make. I try to be, I try to pretend like I'm a scout. That's what, that's what I want people to think when they see. Cause me. you want people to believe you're seeing something that, that only yeah. you can see. <laughs> yes. You want to have I'm that seeing look. the basketball geometry, yeah, uh, laid out differently than everybody else. Yeah, you're looking for the way he moves his hips slightly on that screen. That that that's the key. That's going to shoulders. Lock I'm just looking at shoulders. You know me. I'm a shoulders guy. Well, your shoulder. Yeah. You could just watch free throw line footage, and I think that would <laughs> properly scout everyone. Um, when in reality, I'm getting shot with t-shirt cannons and, and dying. I think it's. I just think it's odd of how public this is. It's not like. I don't know. It's not like uh, we're seeing leaks in the press in the New York Post or wherever that the Nets are definitely going to get this guy. But like we're pretty much seeing that and we're seeing them specifically watch this guy to play basketball. Both they thought it was important enough for the GM and the head coach to both go there together to watch this one dude play basketball. I think Trajan Langdon, the assistant GM, has also been there to watch him play basketball. You would only do that like very few times are players scouted and they get both that kind of treatment. Um, I don't know if it's some like I'm almost thinking some kind of smoke screen of some kind. It's like it's some diversion. They're setting up that that Shabazz Muhammad smoke screen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what's also. So so where did that come from? That rumor that was from a Minnesota Uh, reporter, right? Yeah. Yeah. You think that. that Shabazz's agent is putting this out there. That's a strange. I mean, it's a strange rumor overall. Just because. Also, have you watched Shabazz Muhammad play basketball? Uh, not in a while. It's not. A, it's it's sort of Sean Kilpatricky. I mean, it's sort of yeah. the just like kind of a gunner, just a, a guy who's going to get his. Doesn't make anyone yeah. else really that much better. Not a. I don't really remember his three point stats, but I don't think they're all that great. Um. When I uh, when I was looking at stuff for uh, Teodesic today, um, I wanted to find out when uh, Arvidas Arvidas Sabonis was drafted, just because I, th- I had assumed it was. And it's about thirty one, I think. Uh, but I I looked up Teodesic uh, and I was like, wait, he's not old. He was born in nineteen eighty seven. I was born in nineteen eighty seven. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> like, yeah, that's ancient. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, we're we're super old. Oh my god! I'm not going to make it to the NBA. Oh no! You don't think it's going to happen for you? <laughs> I mean, my time is running out. You know, if if the European guards are having a hard time getting in at thirty, can I be honest? I've been looking. Um, I always think I'm like I've always just been taught improperly. Like that's what I've always hung my hat on is that whether it was math or uh, <laughs> basketball, 
I was never taught the fundamentals. Um, So what I've been doing lately is that instead of just throwing a ball at a hoop, I actually been looking at the hoop and it's been going in, Brian. Yeah, a lot more. And I feel like there's something there. I feel like there's 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 an NBA player inside of me if I just had some proper training. I'm just a, I'm a very on the cusp. Old, uh, Hoosier era esque uh, uh, line of advice is to to look at the back of the rim. You want to look at the back of the rim. There's a, there's an old joke um, in in golf that's applicable, but it's like over ninety percent of short putts don't go in. Sort sort of a deal with basketball too. Um, so. Milo, I mean, you like that one? Yeah, no, I do like that. I like that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's good. uh, I this I love the the Milos debate though. And it's he's become almost a a cult hero. So give give me your gets here. Yeah, give me your give me your hot take. I mean, I know, I know where you stand. I know where you stand. But (laughs) can you sympathize? Can you sympathize with the people that? have reservations about, you know, veering way off into basketball experimentation next year. You know, like a lot of the people that are having, taking issue with the Teodesic thing really want to see Levert move to the two um, instead of the three. Presumably want Rondé to play the three in his, in Levert's stead, which there was an article on its daily a couple of days ago about, uh, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's resurgence at the four, which I think it's hard to deny that, you know, that's in, in the brand of basketball that we, we've been playing towards the end of the season, like really suited him well at the four, you know, hard, hard to argue against that. Yeah. I mean, um, his the best basketball of his career came at the end of this season and it was because he was playing yeah. the four. I think it would be, unless if he suddenly develops a three point shot, it'd be crazy to consider him anything but a power forward now to be honest. I mean, yeah. he just, he's a, He's better at that, that he's a better player at that position. Here's the thing. In both of these instances, there's like a considerable shakeup, you know, like moving in, in one case you're moving basically. Well, I don't know. It's not that much of a shakeup because Randy Foy has been playing the two. And so if you put Teodesic at the two or like 1.5 and have him and Jeremy Lin run a kind of awkward one you yeah, know, com- I mean, combo guard game. Uh, that's that's like kind of what we've already been doing, so it's more of a natural fit. Yeah, and like, I, I, I love the idea of... Up. I've always loved... The, the idea of having two legitimate ball handlers on the floor at the same time, especially now that but Brooke can, can shoot the team, three. Can you think of a team that actually did that successfully? Like, I mean, like Phoenix has gone through a hundred really good point guards and never really with the exception of that one 50 win year that like came out of nowhere, like haven't been able to translate all those amazing point guards into anything meaningful, you know? Yeah. But I think that, I don't know, this is maybe just an absolute generalization, but there's something about European basketball. You mean, you see it in the Olympics all the time is that these guys, they're more flexible in what they're able to do. And they're used to playing with two ball handlers on the floor. There's very much less like, Chris Paul mentality in Europe. There's not just like I have the ball and I control the entire team. It's more of like if you get the ball, you can make multiple decisions with it or you can pass it off to the next guy who may make multiple decisions. Where in America, it's just sort of like whoever has the ball, like John Wall, Chris Paul, like you run the entire show. You're the entire conductor. You play every piece of the band, basically. Um, I, I 
I don't I never thought I'd hear the day where you were being prejudiced against American basketball players, Mike. And I'm frankly, I'm a little put off. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just think it's hilarious that if anyone's concerned that Jeremy Lin is going to be like suddenly blown off the map because they bring in this European. I mean, we also have to slow our role on Teodosic or Teodosic or never say his name is that like there's a reason why he was in Europe until he was 30, like or 31 or ever old he's going to be when he comes over here. There's a reason. March 19, so he's, he's going to be uh, he's going to be 30 for the most most of the season next year. It would be extremely rare if he is let's say a little bit better than above average. Like he's going to be the, the hope for him is that he is average because average mm-hmm. would help this team a lot. Like if he's just like, I don't know what player comparison would be, but like somewhat better than like Jose Calderon at his best. Um, See, this is why I was looking at uh, Arvita Sabonis is because like, um, obviously for, for the obvious reasons, European guy that came over in late, late in their career, comparatively um and he had a lot of you know amazing years a, a, so, i mean obviously it's a totally different completely different player i mean in in every possible way well um yeah and that was a different well, era i mean that would be like all know, right mike yeah i know it's that'd be like comparing era. like i mean i don't want to go but like baseball before they broke the color barrier essentially i mean there was like there was a continental barrier in basketball for years where guys just weren't just didn't come over and basketball wasn't a big deal. But, so, I mean, it would be like, so the, the guys you want to well, compare look, him to would be like the guy, Yavikagis, who was like a pacer for like two years or something. I'm trying to endorse your point here because uh, Sabonis, you know, played very much uh, in, in the spirit of what you were talking about. Like he was a seven foot three crazy, even like I would say bulky kind of fat side and he was like primarily like a playmaker, you know, like and like known as much for his razzle dazzle passes as for like you know his, his like mid range jump shots. So, um, like you know, I, you know, obviously I'm I'm trying to fit a you know square peg in a circle hole here, um, but you know it's it's and that's on the far end. Like how how many of these have you ever, like how many players from Europe over the age of say I don't know let's say just thirty. Has there been like any others that you can think of? I could just think of Sabonis and it's it's always like I mean Pablo Prigioni, right? I mean like guys Prigioni. like that, like guys who are just sort of you know all right, okay. Is Prigioni playing right now? Where is he? I don't even know. Well, that's the thing. I don't even think he's playing in the NBA at this point. Um, yeah. I, but it, you know, from everything that we're reading, he is going to help as a player. But it's also like this angst that he's going to knock Jeremy Lin off. If he does, that means Jeremy Lin is not any good, which I don't think is the case. So, but your hot take is that this is just all, all hot air. This idea that he's, he expects to come in and start. You think that he's going to be comfortable playing for a 25 win team, whatever, uh, coming off the bench. What I actually think is that I think, um, Sean Marks isn't above, uh, creating his own myth a little bit and to drum up some interest in the team and to kind of play with the fantasy aspect of this, sort of the mystery of European basketball that only he and Trajan Langdon seem to understand is that they're willing to sort of uh, put this notion out there that there's this special player in Europe that they have a special connection to and he's going to be somewhat of a savior for this team. 
and that this mm-hmm. is going to be the Marx regime that international basketballs, the inefficiency that they're going to exploit. I think he's, he's, I'm not saying he's like has a, um, propaganda police out there putting out all this information about Milos, but I do think there's some sort of like element of like Mark saying like, you know what? Like I have no draft picks. So like, how am I going to gin up interest in this team? And how am I going to kind of create my own myth of a GM? I'm going to act like Europe is just like, I'm just going to be able to get all the nuggets out of Europe, which I don't, again, I'm just, I think we sort of talked about this. How good can Milos be? Because he's 30 years old and he is in Europe. Most of the time, those guys are already over here or we really know about them or they're all like 18 year olds who are seven foot three and can shoot threes. So I just, I, I, I think this is just like, he's getting way too hyped up, but if the nets get him, I'll be happy. Um, I think yeah. we'll I, yeah. I think we'll know better after the the NBA playoffs because if if Milos is like a guy that can really help someone and he wants to come over here to win um any team that needs mm-hmm. a backup point guard like let's say my Wizards or any any team really any team in the top half of the league that needs a backup point guard who can also play with starters um if there's not that much interest in him then there's probably a good reason that you know he's maybe that just means he's just not that great if, if our summer looks like, you know, landing landing our, our big fish in Teodesic, I guess, and uh, putting Kelly Olynyk and Robert Covington on there and, and our draft picks, if that's what our summer looks like, that I I like that. You know, that's 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 exciting to me. That's exciting <laughs> to you. I mean, I mean, it's exciting to me just in like the you know protecting the long play. I mean, what else what else out there? I mean, like what like I mean outside of. I'm not getting my hopes up ever again for landing a free agent. I don't think. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'll ever do that again. This so. is a good game. The game is what would be the most yeah. exciting summer possible for the Nets? Yeah. You say it's Kelly Olinick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Covington. Not not just one. You know, get them both. But but and we sort of want to talk about this, but I think part of an exciting summer would be if like a guy like Harry Giles fell to the Nets and they were able right. to get him. That would be super exciting. Yeah, plus the draft picks, Mike. Come on, I said that. Plus Harry Giles, and plus our, you know, our sixteen-year-old uh, Eurostash. I think the most. <laughs> what was that? I think, think the, what? Well, the most exciting summer would possibly be would be if one of those restricted free agents actually comes through. Would be. I mean, I don't believe that Otto Porter should ever be the number one option or the number two option on a team, but like, if they could get him or Contavious Caldwell Pope, that would be the most exciting thing possible because that means a real NBA players on this team. Um, I will be disappointed like, I don't want, if the I, I, old, I, 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 what? Okay, sorry, I've got a full one eighty on this thing though. I I really I'm, I'm I just I just think of what I've been saying with Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb this season, and just thinking about what if. What if you gave that guy the the keys to the car, you know? And that would be disastrous, I think, at this point, at this juncture. Just a guy that's getting paid abnormally well. Like we talked earlier in the season about the sort of egalitarian nature of everything, and yeah, we we had the worst record in the league. And but you know, as Mark said, like we don't want to be the thirty five win team in the short term and 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 sacrifice the long term. No, and I agree. and I don't know if auto. Yeah, I agree yeah, with that. I agree that. Uh, that wouldn't be the best thing for this team long term, but it would be exciting to have those guys on this team. More exciting than 
Trey Covington. I don't think that's the best path, but I think it would be exciting if they ended up getting, if they got two, two rounds, two first round picks, both guys were actually going to play basketball in America next year. That would be more exciting than a stash. And the fact that if they get like a pretty good free agent, I'm not even saying those top two restricted free agents, just like a guy that you like, Oh, I actually know who he is. And I believe he can put up 18 points a game. That, that level of competency. And I don't think, yeah. you know, Kelly Olynyk is necessarily that. Um, I'm talking about replacing Justin Hamilton, Kelly. I'm not talking about running out, you know, the, ro- the rolling out the red carpet for Kelly Olynyk. Damn it. I'm just saying. Yeah, you love him. You love him. It's okay, Brian. I actually really don't like to look at Kelly Olynyk. You know, no offense, but. I mean, he'd be a good, good Brooke Lopez replacement. The hope is. He reminds me of. When I uh, when I was doing the the woofing in Montana, there's a group of like Amish people called um, uh, God, what the hell, H- Hooterites, something like that. Wow, Anyways, that they, and they had, they all, they all kind of looked like Kelly Olynyk out there. Um, Shabazz Muhammad, yes, you're excited. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, unfortunately, yeah, because because of exactly what you're saying. Like the, when, when I did watch him, um. I think I think an accurate comparison is kind of Kilpatrick. I think that's fair, and that doesn't get me that excited, Mike. Does it get you that excited? Well, the thing that we, I mean, because I'm such an Atkinson acolyte, um, I I I will get excited if there's like I'm trying to think of a good player, and I'll, I'll think of this for next time. But like someone who's on some good team's bench who becomes a free agent and he just never really got that much run, but the guy that you were always like that you always sort of enjoyed being out there and you always thought he was up to stuff. Um, if, if Atkinson could get his hands on that type of player, let's say they overpaid him by $2 million a year. Um, good developmental guy, sort of like what Kent Bazemore was before he got to Atlanta. <laughs> Not that I love Kent Bazemore, but like, Kent, like that type. I mean, he, I've watching Kent Bazemore now on the Hawks. He's a pretty good player and he would help someone like the Nets. If they can find their goal should be, I guess, not looking for two to the massive restricted free agents. And your team just be average. They should try to be finding like that eighth guy on a good bench that they can hopefully get like some like Jermichael Green or whatever his name is from Memphis. Like there's guys like that that are going to be out there that could get a lot of money um, mm-hmm. that I would want to trust Atkinson in developing them. But all right, you want to do mail? Yeah, Mike, you get to you get to do the cheer boys this time around. All right, coming up, cheer boy. No, 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 never mind. John Lingren. Oh, Is that oh, good? Mike, I'm sorry, John. John, I'm sorry. John. Question: What do the <laughs> nets and cheese have in con- common? Oh my god. Mike, did you write this? I feel like you write the, wrote this in. Um, making this up. He says, "Give up." Knew you guys would. Answer. If left for a while, both will develop culture. Hope you have a great G-R-A-T-E pod. Thank you, John. That's a great way to start. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's that John, that's my humor. That's like right. Really, it's just that's power dad right there. That's power dad humor. Yeah. Uh this is from Eric McCray. Sorry, Eric. I'm sorry. Your guy. Ooh. Your guy, <laughs> Eric. What did he say? What did he say, Mike? Um, hi, guys. Comma. 
we were able to draft Justin Jackson from UNC, would you still offer KCP or Porter a max deal? I feel like he could be a very similar player and much cheaper. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Eric. Uh, so I like Justin Jackson a lot. I think he certainly actually has that auto Porter vibe to him. Um, I don't know if he could fall all the way down to the nets. The, so we, again, we sort of talked about this before, but I don't think there's an appetite, Brian, for KCP or Otto Porter from the Nets fandom. I don't, I don't think that's out there. I don't think people care or want to see him or either of those guys to really sign with the team. I don't know. What have, what have you been feeling in here? The, obviously the, uh, general consensus is that we would be overpaying for it now with, with, without that caveat. Yeah. I mean, like, of course everyone would, would, would be bowled over by the ability to get one of those guys, but doing so at the right prices, I think, I mean, all of a sudden these Nets fans have gotten pretty, um, uh, pretty, pretty spend thrifty. You know, they're, they're, um, they're watching their, their pocketbook. They're, they're thinking long-term actually just in general, this launched me to a whole different thing, but just in general, the, um, the fandom has, is incredibly positive on Nets on, on the, on the message boards and everywhere else. Have you notice this at all? It just seems like everyone's like, in this, in this weird feel good honeymoon period where like, you know, not all of this is just like, you know, no, none of the management have that much to work with. And it's like, you, they pretty much can do no wrong at the moment. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of brought to it brought everyone together a little bit, Mike. You know what I mean? I I feel like it's a weird, it's like, we sort of talked about this as the Stockholm syndrome thing, but the, it's a weird <laughs> sense of like, there's, um, a lot of positivity around the team, I think, created by Marks and Atkinson. Atkinson yeah. was one of his greatest qualities that developed this year or that was shown as how positive and sort of relentlessly forward looking he is. Um, like he, he, he after the games, you could see like his face is like right up into his skull. So he's not hiding much. In general, is kind of amazing. Just like the the crags and the the crevasses. It's pretty pretty wild face. Well, I forget where it was. I think it was in Jackie McMullen's piece about him. But she said that like after every loss, he like he spends every morning he wakes up and like he's on the treadmill and that's what he's doing and he watches the games on the treadmill. And you gotta, I mean, that's a lot of exercise and and apparently he spends more time like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, watching, but. There is like this weird sense of like just the fact that it it is so low in terms of assets that every little bit of excitement is blown up, I think, to a much bigger deal. I don't know what it is. But here's this, um, like you know, this very conservative too behind it all. It's like the people are like, you know, the vast majority are like, yeah, let's not overpay for Otto Porter, (laughs) which is when you have so. Going on, like you know that 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 even even the thought that enters your mind shows this like really kind of interesting you know belief in in what the long term plans are. And you know what it is? It's that coming off of the Darren Williams, Paul Pierce, Garnett thing, where like this team just threw away every asset it had to get that sort of crappy super team that developed. Joe Johnson added to that list too. Um, yeah. Nets fan base is pretty smart. I think most people realize some people said at the time, but most people definitely realize now that like, that's not the way to, to build a team. It's not going to work. And everyone's tempering themselves. Everyone's pulling themselves back. 
and no one's getting irrationally out there and saying like we need to do this this and this to be competitive everyone's just like oh yeah we should probably just slow build just a slow build and see how that takes us because historically that's that's been the way to go about it yeah um what's the next one you're ready for your oh, boy, sorry. your guy, <laughs> your man, Zach Breton. Yeah. Zach. Thanks oh, my God, this. Zach Breton. Um, it's long, but I think I found the gist of it. Here you go. Uh, so we're talking about the RFA market, and, you know, Marks has been known to desire KCP, Otto Porter, and maybe Andre Roberson. Um, the mm. two guys that have caught my eye watching the postseason is Joe Inglis and Nikolo Miritic. Uh, both quality mm-hmm. shooters who would excel in a system like Kenny's and fit current needs. Plus, I don't e- think either of them are highly valued by their current team, so maybe we can steal them away for less of an overpay than someone like KCP or Auto for the Max. Le- would love to know what you guys think. If you have any sneaky targets for the offseason, best Zach Breton. Uh, Joe, Joe Inglis is a great one. Um, he he kind of I, – I, whenever I watch – as as I frequently do watch a jazz game, he's always the guy that seems to be doing a lot. And then I look at his, like his numbers, you know, for fantasy or whatever. And it's just nothing like totally, totally nothing. Or he just has like weird nights. with will have like six steals and, you know, four points or like, you know, seven threes and somehow have like eight points from it. Or, you know, it's like one of those, one of those bizarre players statistically. And he's um, just a, a weird, he's, he's just an odd player on the, I mean, just because of how he looks. He's an odd player yeah. on the court. Um, but I, so I was kind of saying, like, that's the market that they need to be hitting to actually be successful. Is that, like, that weird tier of guys who don't look that great? Like, so I don't know if you read this piece today, but Dion Waiters did a Players' Tribune thing. Did you read that? Okay. No. So it's, it's, like, startlingly, startlingly good. It's pretty mm. amazing. Um, really? It addresses sort of the waiter's island he's like yeah i know about waiter's island and all the crazy stuff that i apparently do but i mm-hmm. i do it because of where i'm from and this is what I, and also there's like as he's had tragedy in his life and he talked about that and it was just like amazing and i'm not saying this team um should have signed waiters because waiters is like the opposite player of what this team would want but mm-hmm. the the biggest market to hit is the underappreciated asset or the previously thought highly thought of asset that is now uh yeah. underappreciated and that that's the only way this team is going to like hit on anything is that it like Kyle Lowry at one point I mean he was on Houston and he was not wanted essentially by Houston uh, that much um and Kyle Lowry was on yeah. yeah but he was on Houston before that but between right, no, right. not yeah, before yeah. Memphis, but between, uh, you know, Memphis and Toronto, there was Houston. So like, right. guys like that are out there. I mean, I I don't think this is actually true, but Brandon Knight is like always like the easy sort of go to because he was highly thought of at one point, and now he's just a, sort of a disaster. And you could probably have him for nothing. Um, there the this team cannot just be built on like the slow burn of these late first round picks they hope to be accumulating through minor trades, trading a boy on or whatever. Like they're going to have to like take a risk on a high salary guy that may not be wanted by another team. That's going to have to happen. Taking a flyer on Joe Engels though, in place of Joe Harris feels like a, feels like a fun no brainer to me. What do you think? I mean, I don't know why I'm so negative on Joe Harris, but like, I, I don't, I don't care about him. 
I'm done. I mean, <laughs> he peaked in preseason. I'm just like cooled off on him. Real yeah, good. like a hard, a hard cool off, a real hard cool yeah. off. Uh, <laughs> next one coming up is your boy Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw. Ah, Daniel. Uh, favor for me. I actually like the John Cena intro. So play 15 seconds for me, please. Thanks in advance. Ah, brutal. The worst. We'll, we'll do it for you next time. Around. Um, so this is more, there's just I'm a lot. Like weird, weirdly protective of my email sphere right now. I'm like, I feel like I have to, you know, I feel like you're encroaching on my email sphere. Okay. So it's here, fine. It's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is a long one, but here's what we got. I'm excited for the Nets young talent and coach who will finally put them in the best position to succeed. I.e. Karis Avert starting at the two and a GM with the vision and patience, unlike the dumpster fire Knicks organization. Let's talk free agency and keepers. This is the best bet going forward into next season. Lynn Whitehead, mm-hmm. Dinwiddie, Karis, Kilpatrick, Goodwin, McDaniels, R.H.J. Booker, and Brooke. Um, anyone not on this list should be traded or cut. Uh, he also says, talks about Milos on paper is the best pure point guard available outside Curry. <laughs> outside Curry. <laughs> Um, I imagine means the other Curry, not his his brother. Um, Hill is the best defensive point guard, while Drew Holiday is slightly above Lynn and Teague. I agree that Drew Holiday is just slightly above Lynn. Uh, but he's pushing for Danilo Garn- Gallinari, um, mm-hmm. who would fit here, obviously, loves New York, and may not demand that much money. Millsap would cost too much. Millsap is interesting just because, okay, Mil- uh, there's two sides of Paul Millsap is, is the one of that, like, he probably wants to go to contender and he could be that sort of David West type who goes to a contender and, uh, you know, pay, gets paid $5 million a year, but comes off the bench and looks awesome. Or mm-hmm. the Nets could pay him max and he becomes like veteran leader extraordinaire. He loves Kenny Atkinson. Uh, I don't think it's impossible to think that the Nets are going to get a meeting with Millsap. Even if it doesn't produce anything, I think that could be a potential. I'm just, it, it could be something no. that if if they get a meeting with him, there's a shot that they could just say, "Hey, we're going to give you all the money in the world," and then and then you have Brooke Lopez and Paul Millsap, Jeremy Lin, Karis Levert, and then whatever else they have. That's not terrible, um, but you probably would not want Millsap. I'm sure. Me personally, I, I mean, I love Millsap. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, like, as you say, like, <laughs> I mean, we're in an interesting spot with, with that. It's because, like, you know, where we are financially, it's we're sort of made to give guys like him more money than they're worth. Um, I would be more comfortable giving him a large contract versus Otto Porter or KCP. I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's an incredibly hot take. Maybe that's a scorching hot take that I'll regret, but... Um, well, I just feel like the, the talent is more proven and it's more adaptable. Like I always feel like if a guy, you know, there's players that move from team to team and their skill set just falls off a cliff. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes that happens with the Nets. What if if Millsap moving from Utah to um, Atlanta made a seamless transition, didn't skip a beat, and 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 got better in the process? Um, that that says a lot to me, just in terms of the sort of adaptability and resilience of a player going forward. And I don't think this, even though what Mark said about like they they don't want to be maxed out and be a thirty five win team, I don't think that should take them out of the running of paying someone like Millsap. It's unrealistic right. that they would, and it's unrealistic that he would come here. But like to me, that would be one of the smarter moves, just because again, 
good guy vibes, uh, fits in what they want to do. Atkinson knows what he is, and he would f- just fit beautifully next to a three-point shooting Brook Lopez. And he's a better rebounder than Brook, so you can mix it around. What do you think the chances are that he's just a closet Teodesic freak, just loves Teodesic? It's like he wants to play them. What do you think? <laughs> Paul Millsap? Yeah. Here's yeah. one guy I like to lavish a lot of money on. Yeah. Patty Mills. Unrestricted yeah. free agent. Oh, yeah. I could I could see. I mean, I know Marks is what, from New Zealand? Um, Patty Mills is from Australia. There's a connection there. Uh, it This team, he's a guy that could play off ball. I just, every time I see him play, he seems better than Tony Parker at this point. Um, but he's probably not going to leave the Spurs culture. I mean, I just think there's like a couple of dudes out there. I mean, Kelly Olynyk. I don't, I'm just not, I'm never going to like love. <laughs> I'm just not going to do no. it. Just never enjoy, never enjoyed a second of Kelly Olynyk. A little hit right. Uh, um, you want to do a uh, killer comparison? Sure. Let it rip. <laughs> Um, so Mike actually came up with this. He's a genius. Um, I really, I think we, I think we really did did well here. Enjoyed this one. So basically, the the thrust of this one is that uh, Mike took a long look at the playoff matchups and uh, devised this this crazy scheme to compare each of the matchups to like a film if you're going to watch them. Um, like a movie film and uh, make these, just going to draw these comparisons and, and, you know, tweet at us at who's incorrect. I, I mean, I have all the right answers, Mike. I will I'll tell you what's what when we get there. Um, but do you want me to just start it off? <laughs> um, tell me which series you did and then we'll kind of mix and match. Did you, all I did them? them all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you start off, you tell me where you want to go and then I'll, I'll follow up. I'll follow no, let's, go, let's start with the East coast uh, and let's just do one to, you know, starting with the one and eight, Sultan Bulls. Um, this is an odd one for me. <clears throat> I think everyone came into it with a certain expectation, and then it got kind of sad. And it's kind of it's a weird series right now. Oh uh, yeah, you're say. true. Yeah. Um, just watching it, there's a lot of like weird, serious energy, and and it's all like very tragic and and sad and stuff. So I kind of went with Million Dollar Baby on this one, just in that you will go into it expecting one thing and you're getting something so totally different and the vibe is weird. And, uh, I think that, I think that's perfect. I mean, uh, you're thinking slightly uplifting sports movie. It is not that, um, million yeah. dollar baby's kind of, uh, pretty, like a pretty good movie. This series has been pretty yeah. good. Um, <laughs> like, like not amazing, yeah. but yeah, that's. I think I was gonna say something like some Boston connection, but not in terms of entertainment value, but like Argo. I think like the, everyone was surprised. I think going into it when you're finding out that Ben Affleck's directing a movie about some hostage crisis, you're like, I don't know how that's gonna turn out. And this turned out to be pretty good. This series has been the most compelling uh, first round series, I think. So far, maybe you could say Utah Clippers, but like, to be honest, I mean, West Coast series, people I, don't watch basketball. So I think, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I would have gone to town, you know, personally, or, um, no, I don't know. Did you, have your, did you ever watch the town? Yeah, the town, town's pretty fantastic. Um, I like that. I, I you know, and I'm disappointed. So like, there's like, there was rumors and there's pretty much confirmation that Ben Affleck was going to direct the next Batman movie. 
Uh, that that's been no. taken off the table apparently. Uh, oh, rats! Did you? I don't. I don't. I know his last movie, Live by Night, did not do well. I think that's because yeah. dude was too bulky to be believed as a like forty style gangster. He just he mm-hmm. still had that Batman weight, and that Batman weight did not look good in a three piece suit. They were they were in Batman size back in the forties. So yeah, was yeah. I don't. I don't think everyone just like crushed like steel cages like Batman did back in the day. Um, next series. What is the next series? Is that Cavs Pacers? Yeah, Cavs Pacers. Shoot. All right. So, I, I this one was tough, but what I said was the series was a slog. It was boring, predictable, but yet not uninteresting. Okay. Uh, I feel like you missed the series because okay. So by when we did a podcast and we were going into game three, you were somehow can convinced that the Pacers were exposing all these weaknesses or whatever in the Cavs or, or <laughs> you've been all over the map with the series. Let me just say that. I'm no, I am. Um, I am. I'm right in both senses. I think this was a predictable, uh, slightly interesting series uh, that was uh, boring. But yet I also think it's ridiculous that the Cavs had so much trouble with the Pacers. I mean, they did. They, I think pretty much every game except for maybe one was close. Um, the Pacers had shots to win all three of those games that were close, if not all four. Um, I don't think I'm. I'm just down on the Cavs, man. I'm down on the Cavs. Give, give me the movie. Give me the movie. All right, I said Lincoln. Um, uh, Lincoln. It was just a slow, boring movie, but yet not uninteresting. Okay, so I kind of, I'm sort of in. I have a different reaction just on just to start from the Cavs and Pacers. I've been way more interested in that series than I to be just because, I mean like that game three was incredible and all the games have been like pretty compelling towards the end. Not, not in the long run. Like you, you know, what's going to happen of course. And so there's not going to be any surprises, but still pretty compelling when you're sitting down and watching. Is that fair? That's fair. I went with Titanic on this. I went with Titanic. <laughs> you know, it's, gonna happen i have no reason to be as entertained by this as i am a grown man but every time it's on tv i'll sit down and watch titanic you know like I'm... so you enjoy the movie titanic that yeah when it's when it's on i i watch it you know that's if that's enjoyment then yeah i guess it's enjoyment. yeah i think that's the definition of enjoyment um definition? sure i've never I'm, I'm not like trying to say like i'm a man because i'm not a man uh but titanic has never done it for me I've just never, never been there with it. Um, most called. I mean, Lincoln is like it's just an empirically great film. So, I, like, I, you know, we're gonna we're gonna disagree in along the way. I'm sure, sure, because you have terrible taste in things. And so that's that's gonna be a, a hurdle we'll get over. Though I'm fine with that. Um, next one, Toronto Bucks. What did you say? <laughs> um, so this one I've been incredibly enthralled by. I've been trying to watch it as often as I can. I really like the I like the Bucks just in general. I think it's super fun to watch that team. Um, I like that they're doing something um, different stylistically, and all the players are kind of bizarre, um, and that they're finally thriving a little bit as or, or like you know at least earlier on they were having some success. Um, can you believe like how often is like when Chris Middleton was um, like really playing well last season? Um, have you seen a team where there's like three legit 20 point scorers? And I mean, Jabari is obviously out now, but like their, their future could like, 
they kind of are almost underrated in the like great future squads right now, don't you think? I don't know. They know they are, but the problem is, is that the team got better when Jabari was out. So it's like it's tough to put Jabari in that. Jabari needs to be in that future, but the yeah. team is better without him. I mean, it 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 has been. It it just so. Yeah. It's like you want to believe that. Okay, you have Giannis, which is just like the total freak, like Kevin Garnett 2.0, but even better. And then you have Jabari, who will just be like a reliable Paul Pierce type scorer. But they didn't really mesh all that well together, and they're both should be small ball fours. So it, it is interesting to see what they're they're going to do this off season because there's a shot that Jabari gets flipped. But I do think, like, if you flip Jabari for some, I don't know, some pretty good point guard, and you you give a, a point guard who can shoot, I mean, they should actually be going after Patty Mills because if they get just a a, a ball handler who can shoot to go with Giannis and Middleton and whatever, you know, Thon maker at center. It's like a super tough, difficult team to beat. Uh, but yeah. what's your movie? Uh, well, I also want to like the Raptors, I feel like is a, is a weird team, but I'm, I'm enjoying them <clears throat> like having difficulty in the first round as I always do uh, with Toronto. I, I just don't like that team. Anyways, but the whole thing's been very compelling for me. So I went with District 9. I just went with District <laughs> just because because it's whenever it's on, I I, I watch it, and I, I am very fond of it, and it's odd. And, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird weird comparison. What did you get? All right, I went a different way here. <laughs> I went – um, so this was a tough one, but I started with – you know, do you see the movie The Intern with De Niro and Anne Hathaway? just came out, like, last year. Of course I did not see that movie. Are you kidding me? Okay. You saw that? Yeah. The movie is effective. It is an effective, well-done movie. Okay. But my, oh my. – Yeah. But my reasoning for it was uh, the, the – the, like the series, the movie starts out with this young upstart in Anne Hathaway. And you believing that Anne Hathaway is going to basically be uh, Meryl Streep from Devil Wears Prada but a little messier. Okay, and you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be a powerful woman, and she's going to teach Robert De Niro a thing or two. Robert De Niro is similar to Kyle Lowry, grumpy, shorter, um, a veteran. Mm -hmm. But in fact, as the series has turned, so did the movie. The movie, the intern turned, and De Niro, you're like, wow, no, De, De Niro's teaching the lessons. De Niro's not. De Niro is not actually the intern. The actual intern is Anne Hathaway, and. Kyle Lowry exactly. is teaching Giannis Antetokounmpo lessons about playoff basketball, and that's what's happening here. That's exactly what I gleaned from that, just based on the trailer. Like that, 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 that was a plot twist for you is is amazing. <laughs> it's not a plot twist, but that's what the movie is. That's the plot of the movie. I know, but that 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 surprised you. That's like pretty much the trailer. It's like De Niro comes in with his like old guy ways, and he's like, "You guys need to start tucking your shirts in and shit." Or things like that, <laughs> and then they do, and then they're better off for it. That's it's just funny to me that that that, that didn't come across for you. That you were surprised by that element. No, you're not, Brian. You're not getting it. The movie. I'm saying that. It, of course, that's the movie, and that was what the series was. The series started off as the movie did, which is the younger is going to teach the older, but in fact, the older are teaching the younger. That's I know. Mike, that's what was clear. Uh, you're not in the getting it. You're not getting it. You're just not getting Lord. it, Brian. <laughs> um, two to us. Who's getting it? All right, let's do uh, let's do a couple of of quicker ones. Um, 
Wizards okay, so Hawks. Let's go. Wizards Hawks. For me, I don't. I hate to say this, Mike. I'm just not interested in the series. I sure. hate to say it. it's on. I feel like every time I turn the channel, I'm watching Wiz Hawks. It's every time I'm on TNT, I got this. So for me, it's like the Hobbit desolation of smog. Always on TNT. Never want to watch it. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's pretty perfect. Um, again, I'm going different here. Okay. Yeah. I'm going with sure. the plot of the series, Brian, matching the plot of the movie. Um, uh, not the again. Intern? This is not a, a um a comparison in terms of greatness of series. I that I will do that later on. But I'm just saying plot plot. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. as a Wizards fan, this movie started out. This series started out for me like the movie Boogie Nights started out. Wow, how <laughs> awesome is this? This is so much fun. The porn industry in the 70s. What a great time. Yeah. Then we we switch decades, aka switch venues. Mm-hmm. Things go downhill. And it's been yeah. once the series moved to Atlanta, this thing just went downhill. So Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's Boogie Nights to me. This nice. Is, Good. I like it. Thanks, buddy. Um, right, so moving, moving West Coast. Right along, uh, Warriors Blazers. For me, this is the special combination of of like, uh, I mean, I it's 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 both popular and and horrible to watch, and I hate everything about it. Um, I just don't. I've 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 gone full into just hating the Wizard. Uh, sorry, the Warriors outright. Wow. Uh, so for me, it's when it happened for me, but. I, I finally got to the place where it's like, yep, I just don't like this team. Um, and so for me, it's like any of the Adam Sandler Netflix movies, <laughs> like, <laughs> like actively repelled by it. So I, I'm not, I'm going to watch so much more warriors going down the, like deeper into the playoffs. They're just going to be around forever. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't ever need to watch a warriors first, first round series again. I don't think. Sure. I like that. Um, what, what I've got is, so I basically tried to find a movie that, and I would like your opinion on this too. A movie where there was a great performance in it, but yet the movie was bad. Okay, because mm. this series, um, it, of course, the Warriors are having a great performance, um, but the series Scar- is Scarface? bad. Is that <laughs> Scarface is good? So I think Scarface would. Be, I just had another Pacino movie on here, so it was like I can't go like all Pacino all the time. Yeah, uh, I went. Why I don't not? Know if you, Literally, I don't know if you saw this movie. You see the movie Joy with Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Did you? When did you sit down and watch all these? <laughs> I get the screeners, man. I get the screeners for my union, and <clears throat> no, I didn't. I missed Joy. Okay, so it's Jennifer. The movie's messy. It's a David O. Russell movie. It's not that good, uh, but Jennifer Lawrence, pretty damn effective. Pretty, Great. pretty good performance. Uh, but I think good. Scarface is probably better. Um, Spurs Grizzlies. What do you got? Ugh, Spurs Grizzlies. So, so I've got a great answer for this. Do you want to hear? Yeah, give it to me. I actually came up with this, and I didn't even think about the fact that this is an obvious, um, not even a pun. It's just right on the nose. It's I went Grizzly Man, and <laughs> Grizzly Man, the documentary about Timothy Treadwell uh, by Werner Herzog. So uh, the reason that I did that was because you know Werner Herzog movies, everyone respects them, you know, likes them. They're they're very um uh, they're very similar to one another. There's like a, a very concrete uh like uh, aesthetic that he uses for everything that he does. But Grizzly Man is like for whatever reason like super fun and and really entertaining to watch. Whereas a lot of the other things, slightly more of an academic experience. 
which is what this Spurs Grizzlies matchup has been. Like that's a on paper a matchup I don't want anything to do with. Super super familiar just in a way that like you know I don't how many of these are I'm going to watch but suddenly Mike Connolly is like incredibly fun to watch and Kawhi Leonard is like finally in like give me oh, the yeah. game ball mode and yeah. and like that's been amazing like that's been a totally different looking team in the playoffs and they're just like feed Kawhi the ball in the fourth quarter and he's playing hero ball and spurs which is like a bizarre thing you never see it's great I mean the whole thing's been awesome that's beautiful I agree I mean the only parts of the series that I really ever watched was that stretch was the last game of the fourth yeah. quarter where like Kawhi was just out of his mind. And you're yeah. right. You don't I mean the even with Duncan, it wasn't like just feed him he was never feed me the ball Duncan. I mean he would do it, yeah. but like Kawhi was just next level awesome stuff. Yeah. All right, I love that. Yeah, thanks. Right. Um next one, what is it? Clippers or is it no Thunder Rockets, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is my favorite one. Um, this is the yeah. one I pitched to you. I thought it was the best one I did. This series is defined by its two stars going head-to-head, battling for not only the series, but the president of the Usage Rate Club. So what I did mm-hmm. here was Heat with De Niro and Pacino. Two Titans <laughs> at the top of their game, but really, like Harden, uh, De Niro has better players around him. So right. the movie, I don't know. I've Who, who won Heat? I don't – I would – you, Pacino, Pacino had more more action in the movie, but De Niro won Heat. I mean, he he won it. Like he he won the movie, um, and yeah. he, had, he had Val Kilmer around him and Tom Sizemore, which are if Val Kilmer is you know Ryan Anderson, Tom Sizemore is Eric Gordon. I mean, that's obvious. Everyone knows that. Um, sure. So two Titans going at it on screen on the court. But one of them is winning definitely, and it was De Niro. And that, after that movie, the the decade following follows out where De Niro just keeps winning, and Pacino falls off. Uh, Great. So. I'm not even gonna mess with that. Let's let's move right on to Clippers, Utah. Put a, put a fine point on this. What do you got? Uh, I didn't really get. I couldn't figure out this because my hate for the Clippers <laughs> this is so is, this much. Is inc- <laughs> this is incredibly hard for me. I went Children of Men just because, like, <laughs> well, okay, I want to hear this. I, I, I've never seen Children of Men, and I haven't watched a single game of this series. I recognize that it's probably a good-ish series, or at least it was until Blake Griffin went down. But for some reason, I just like I'm never gonna see it. I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> I'm just not gonna do it. And I, you know, I want to see Children of Men, I guess, but I just haven't done it. I don't know. I don't know what's what's keeping me from doing it. I think that makes all the sense in the world. And if yeah. and you should watch Children of Men because it's amazing. Um, it's good, right? All right, so uh, we did it. That was Killer Comparison, and if you're listening to us on Dash Radio at noon and 8 on Wednesdays, Brian, thank you for listening. Um, if you're listening to us on our podcast, thank you for listening to that as well. Um, yeah. We're here. Uh, this is the Glue Guys. Brian, <laughs> say goodbye. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. 